On today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, Dr. Brian Cole shares his tips for setting and achieving your goals in the new year. But before Dr. Cole dives in, we'd like to take a second to thank our sponsors. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, the sports enthusiast's official resource for fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, I'm Dr. Brian Cole, and thank you for joining SportsMedicineWeekly.com. Today's podcast episode is a great topic, something that I've been thinking a whole lot about as we're getting into our third week after the New Year's is how to keep those New Year's resolutions. I can tell you personally, this is not something that I sit around and say, okay, it's uh, 1159 at night and uh, it's December 31st and I've got to have all these things lined up and getting ready to go with them, but rather it's something I think about much more conceptually. And for me, it was the typical ones. I really didn't have any major ones that uh, I felt were uh, revolutionary, but I will tell you that they were, you know, they, they revolved around health. They re- revolved around sort of the frequency of workouts and uh, nutrition and diet. And I said, look, let's get, I, wa- I want to get rid of all the unnecessary things. So for me, that was... Uh, you know, maybe reducing uh, even casual alcohol intake, which was, you know, unnecessary calories in my mind. And, you know, just didn't feel like I enjoyed it that much. So I said, this is something I could give up on. But for me, it was also just saying, look, on these days, I'm going to block the time out for my workouts. Uh, I'm going to make sure it happens. And uh, for a while back, and we've had this on some of our uh, Sports Medicine Weekly radio shows, we used to be on ESPN and The Score, we talked about supplements. And that was a big part of it for me to say, look, I'm going to get back on the wagon again and and take supplements and check uh, myself even medically. You know, I can tell you as a physician, we don't always uh, uh, exhibit these proactive behaviors going out and saying, hey, what's my uh, fitness level? What's my health level? Because we can you know, do some of these things organically. And uh, I went out and actually got a, a cardiac stress test. And uh, I did that because I knew I was going to be increasing my exertion levels. Um, uh, we have some wonderful cardiologists at Rush that uh, are into sort of the, uh, the fitness side of uh, uh, cardiac or heart health. And that gave me sort of the, 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 the comfort to know that things were in order. It was actually a lot of fun to do something we call a Bruce protocol, which is exactly what we do for our professional athletes to test that out and see what they go through where you run on a treadmill and they have an EKG and you do an ultrasound and so forth. So that sort of set the stage and lay the foundation. So uh, what I'd love to talk about during this episode is how, how, how we all can keep these resolutions. Because I'm going to be dealing with the same thing as we move forward um, in, in keeping these things in check and saying, hey, how can I be what we call a resolver, uh, make it happen? So, you know, as a, as a little bit of background in terms of resolutions and goal setting, whether or not you're making resolutions at the beginning of the new year or simply setting personal goals throughout the year, there's an abundance of research in this area. And the studies do show that those who set goals and make resolutions are 10 times more likely to actually change their behavior than those who do not establish goals. And I even tell that to my own patients who come in and weight loss is a big issue even in our practice. I can tell you that at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, 
we deal with musculoskeletal problems, and we have seen issues of BMI or what we call body mass index relate to the outcomes even for upper extremity surgery. In fact, one of the studies that was published with uh, Dr. Greg Nicholson, uh, Grant Garrigus, and myself and Nick Verman, a few others uh, at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, looked at patients who were undergoing shoulder replacement, and we showed that those had excess bone, uh, body mass index did less well and had a higher complication rate. And that's something that intuitively I wouldn't have thought about. So we find that to get patients in line and to get them to actually succeed to become a so-called resolver, whether it's just after the first of the year or during the year, they need to set a goal and they need to get feedback about that goal. So it sounds very trite and, 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 and sort of, you know, jump in the shark, if you will. You say, well, of, of course, I've got to have a goal. But I'm going to tell you that simply writing down that goal and looking at it and saying, this is what I said to myself I'm going to do is really the initial foundation of a good resolution. There was one study actually that was published in the Journal of Clinical Psychology and resolvers, those who actually successfully uh, uh, execute on a resolution, reported significantly higher rates of success than non-resolvers. And even after six months, 46% of the resolvers were continuing to be successful compared to only 4% of the non-resolvers. So setting a goal is much more likely to lead to success. And if people are doing it at six months to the tune of about 50%, I think that's a really good statistic. Now, clearly we see all kinds of failures. And one of the things that I think is really important, and again, I can turn to the weight loss um, uh, component because that's probably the most common New Year's resolution that we all have. Um, it really requires some feedback to say, look, if you do measurements and objective assessments along the way uh, to show that you can be successful. And I actually tell that to my patients. I say, look, you are being successful. Look at where you are now. You set a goal. Here you are eight weeks later. You actually are demonstrating that you can do it. That's a big part of the battle is getting that positive feedback loop in. So we've got to figure out ways to set a goal and keep us compliant and actually executing and to at least achieve that 50% number by six months. So then I think the question is, why do people fail to keep the resolution? And again, there's some research that shows us that about 23% of people failed to keep the resolution for more than two weeks into the new year, and only 19% stick to their goals over the long haul. So experts who work in this area, especially in clinical psychology, suggest that most resolutions, they fail because they not because they stem from a lack of willpower. They actually fail because people shouldn't have started them on January 1st, believe it or not. So this is something that's evolutionary can happen up throughout the course of the year. Making changes and establishing new habits may not always be aligned with a date. So we say, well, okay, December 31st, I'm going to think of four or five things, stay in line, I'm starting tomorrow. So timing is a big factor, and it's not something that we need this sort of steadfast, hard stop, hard, hard, hard begin date uh, to get this going. I think people have to be ready and prepared to make changes in their lives. And it's lifestyle change. And we, we use Karen Malkin, one of our lifestyle coaches. She's frequently on our podcast. Then talk, talk about how we actually make changes in our lives uh, that, can be, um, that we can become a resolver. So uh, there are mental strength trainers and uh, strength psychotherapists who work in this area. There's one whose name you can look up online, Amy Morin. She basically believes that people don't change their lives until they're ready. So I can't tell you that January, 31, January 1 is the, is, the, is the start date for all of us. Um, I think we need to be ready. I think there are often are triggering events. Um, and that's something we also have to be a bit careful about. These triggering event, this triggering event concept is also conceptually uh, potentially problematic. Nobody want that. No, none of us want that wake up call. We say, hey, now is the time. 
This is the triggering event when it's too late. So those are things to think about. I think we have to identify what's important for us, what's going to make a difference in our day-to-day lives, and set that goal and do everything possible to be complying with that goal with a good positive feedback loop that you're achieving success along the way. And I think that's the probably the best way to prevent failure. So, you know, in finishing up, there are a number of tips that I think I can offer you that uh, come from the, the real world and from people who investigate this. You know, what's the secret to keeping these resolutions? Um, how do you become one of the exclusive high achievers who, who set and actually follow through with the resolutions? So here's a few tips along that way. So maybe you can actually think of fitness. I think, as I said, you know, uh, modifying weight, uh, body weight, BMI, muscle mass, and so forth uh, is probably the number one New Year's or other resolution that people make. So you could think about uh, the following tips in the context of, hey, I would like to become more fit. I would like to take control of my my eating uh, and make lifestyle changes that are measurable and are impactful and that are going to endure. So some of these tips set realistic and measurable goals. Now, while goals can be ambitious, they really have to be achievable. The surest way to fall short and give up by this on this is setting a goal that's unattainable. Good resolutions are also measurable. So instead of, quote, I want to get healthier, the goal should be, I will go to the gym three times a week. And those are very different statements to say, hey, I want to get healthier. That's pretty nebulous. It's pretty ambiguous. It doesn't have something that's measurable and it's not objective and it doesn't put you on a schedule. So exactly what I did, I said, look, I'm going to be doing this Monday because I know I have the morning time, six in the morning. I'm going to do it Wednesday evening because I know when I finish up and I'm going to do it once or twice on the weekends. So I found, identified, I wrote it down, These and I put it in my schedule, in my calendar, something that nobody else can touch that I own. So that puts it very objective and it's a lot different than saying, I just want to get healthier, more fit. It actually provides a time. It's scheduled just like anything else in your life and it's measurable. So I think another, besides setting realistic and measurable goals, you really need to make a make a plan. Every long trip, if you think about it, starts with a detailed roadmap. Make plans for how and when you'll achieve your goal, as well as how you'll deal with the temptations and potential failures. Because I think, you know, we, we, we're all human. We are going to uh, 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 fall prey to temptations and uh, potential failures. And that doesn't mean you give up and say, well, you know, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. I'm done. Uh, you all of us are going to have hiccups along the way when we're trying to ex, uh, uh, execute on these resolutions. So temptations and failures are going to happen, but that doesn't mean the whole thing gets dissolved and you have to stop and wait till January 1 of the following year. It's, it's really a marathon. It's not a sprint. Stay consistent. Sticking to your plan is probably the most difficult part of keeping a resolution. Psychologists say it takes about 21 days of consistent behavior to establish a new habit and six months for it to become part of your personality. So that's how lifestyle changes happen. And if you're looking for something to happen in two or three days, once you have a resolution or a commitment, it doesn't happen that way. It really requires at least three weeks of time to get a behavior ingrained into us. And once it's ingrained, that becomes part of our personality and is enduring. And that's where we see these success rates beyond six months. Really, these new healthful habits, if that's what you're going for, will eventually become second nature in no time. And that's that's when it becomes part of lifestyle and, and, and health modification. 
Another one, and this is one that I find um, helpful, but it can also become annoying in, in, around the people you're with, is you talk about your goals. You know, not everyone wants to hear it, of course, and some people are like, look, I get it, I get it. You know, I, I guess I should get on the wagon too. Uh, but it does help to articulate it, to say, this is what I'm doing. And I have found this as well, even with my own patients who are sharing their concerns and their desires. And it's kind of fun to actually say, hey, you know, I, I identify, I can see what you're trying to do. And let me tell you what I started to do. And this is these are the steps that I took to make it measurable and to make it realistic and to make it objective. So sharing your resolutions with family and friends, that's going to help keep you accountable. And with their help, the goals can be much easier and more predictable to achieve. So having a strong support system can help you change habits. And even better, just having a friend who shares a similar resolution, someone potentially who you can train with or talk about uh, dietary changes, if that's you know the, what you're going for, th- to continue to motivate one another. And then finally, I think uh, rewarding yourself, uh, celebrating the small successes along the way. You know, we often talk about uh, uh, cheat days, for example, for workouts and uh, how you how you eat and, uh, you know, you're focused on that. You can have a cheat day every seven days if you want. So, you know, maybe that's an example, treating yourself to something enjoyable that does not really negatively impact you in any meaningful way. And then, you know, ask yourself, did you really meet your goal, for example, to regularly hit the gym? So maybe you treat yourself to a new workout clothes or a new pair of shoes or what have you. So I think it's important that we just establish new habits. This can be hard, but it's really, I think none of us will ever say, well, that bout of exercise, for example, wasn't worth it. Any exercise is worth it, even if it doesn't com- completely and conclusively meet your goal. So when thinking about these tips, you know, just to summarize, uh, it's got to be objective. Uh, it should be something that's achievable. Setting realistic and measurable goals is critical making a plan exactly how you're going to do it, write it down, staying consistent. That's probably the most important data point is that if you consistently execute, it takes a bit for things to become sticky. And then there is, there are, there is data that suggests that beyond six months, it becomes sticky once it becomes a consistent part of your behavior, talking about your goals with others, sharing these resolutions with family and friends, and finally rewarding yourself. So I think, you know, when if it's an exercise goal, a fitness goal, you got to be careful that you don't avoid training aggressively too soon. Um, if you're a novice to the gym, the fitness environment, it's imperative to sort of ease into these things. Uh, even if you have to have a medical physician sort of uh, uh, clear you to get going. Um, if your body's not used to the intensity, for example, of a workout, you're much more prone to injury. And we've talked about that before on uh, our Sports Medicine Weekly podcasts. And there's lots of ways uh, for us to sort of enter into this. You know, just a couple points. If you're a novice and uh, gy- uh, getting into a gym environment, a workout environment is uh, something that's relatively new to you, you know, keep in mind that each workout, uh, try a static or dynamic stretching, a warm up routine. Uh, it's interesting that there's some. Uh, Despite the popular belief that static stretching has a negative effect on the body, new studies suggest that in small intervals, maybe five minutes or less, static stretching can actually improve athletic performance. Uh, but dynamic stretching, movement prep is important. You know, walking lunges, quad pulls, butt kickers, shuffles, using bands and so forth. All of that's really important as far as as far as your movement prep goes when you're getting into your workouts. And then sort of picking up some ideal warm-up routine, maybe three minutes of basic stretches, five minutes of dynamic stretches and movements, and a warm-up phase. Maybe it's a bike, it's a rowing machine, and so forth. So 
don't get discouraged by the initial challenging days. Uh, this is not a linear thing. This is something that's evolutionary. But I will tell you that it's nobody is ever uh, uh, going to say that, look, I wish I never went to exercise. And even though I didn't do all the things I was going to do, um, nobody's ever disappointed once they commit the time, even if it's shorter than you expected. So be realistic and keep those resolutions. If you enjoyed today's episode, please find us on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit us at sportsmedicineweekly.com. Remember, all net proceeds go to support research at Rush University Medical Center and the Department of Orthopedics. Sports Medicine Weekly is brought to you by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. To be your best, you start with best practices. Eat better, grow stronger, reach higher. At Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, their work is what best practices are built upon. They're a team of leading physicians with the highest level of experience and training, prolific researchers delivering pioneering breakthroughs, orthopedic experts that other orthopedic specialists and their patients come to when they need individualized care. Get it done right the first time at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Visit rushortho.com slash the best. Vericell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit www.vcell.com. That's V-C-E-L.com. Karen Malkin and Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars, the best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar, Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars available on Amazon and at KarenMalkin.com.